How do you view God? If, I had, if someone had to come and ask you a question, who is God, what would be your answers? How would you answer them? This is your time to speak. <laughs> who is God? He said, everything. Okay. Almighty. The creator. Anybody? One more answer. Gee, oh, this, this is bad. This should be a question that, bam, we should, we should have to, I should tell you to be quiet, but y'all, you know. Alpha Omega. Master. Trinity. Alright, the list goes on. He is so many things. And that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at what is our God view? How do we view God? And tonight the question is this. Do you view God any differently now than you viewed Him, say, five years ago? Because the, the answer to that question should be, you should. Because our God view should change every day. Our God view should be, we should become more in love with God. And because of that, we should have a different response to God. And we should say that He is more than the day before. So we want to look at, and tonight's topic is microscopic. So we want to look at microscopic view of God. And, and just as an introduction, every one of us has a God view. It is what comes to mind when we think about God. It's who we believe God is and how we believe God interacts with us personally and with our world. Our God view affects everything we do. But here's the reality. We don't instantly know everything about God. In fact, we never really will know everything about God. Instead, God is constantly revealing himself to us through the relationship that we have with him. And it continues. There are things that each one of us knows about him now that we didn't know five years ago. And while we'll never know all that there is to know about God because He is that big and that mysterious, the things we learn about Him can help us respond to whatever life brings. And this is the quote that we want to focus on in this study. So we can just go to the next slide on this. A.W. Tozer says, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I want you to just think about that for a second. That what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. What is that statement saying? That statement is saying that God should be everything to us. God should be what we're about. God should be, we want to know Him more. God should be our whole life. Again, this is something that we're facing in our world today because I think we are losing this perception of who God is. We see so many people that are basically, um, as, we, as we turn our TVs, we see so many things on TV about homosexuality and, and and the gay rights and all these things going on. And I know the Bible that I have, and that was created 2,000 years ago, over that time, more than that, says that homosexuality is a sin. There's no getting around that. But today we have changed that. And we want to try and make it like, you know, oh no, it's not that bad. You see, every day our God view changes. Everything our, every day our, our life changes. And the way we view God is the most important thing about us. You see, as we think about this, our perception determines our reality. Our perception determines our reality. The way we perceive things determines how we will act. Wrong perceptions lead to wrong responses. Our perception about God are the most important thing about us, and we 
and as and determine how we will live. You see, if I have a big view of God, and I understand just as that song talked about, that I am a representation of God, my life view, the way I view God, and the way I live would be completely different. You see, when I have a personal relationship with Christ, I represent Him. And you've heard it many times in, in your life. People don't want to come to church because the church is what? Full of what? Hypocrites. That's me and you. And you see, when we view God, and I could tell you in my life, when I was your age, I view God differently now. You know, I view God as, I mean, I know when I say a big God, I don't mean back to Sunday school song, oh, God is so big. No. He's huge. I can't know everything about Him. But I want to. You know, I, I don't want to, I, I try my best to find out more about Him. And that's to be our desire. So tonight we want to look at Peter. And for those who know Peter, Peter was a very interesting character in the Bible. Peter spent probably the most time with Jesus. Peter went through many different trials with Jesus. But we'll see that at first Peter's view of God was was microscopic. He had a very small view of God. And we see here, as we think of the first section of Scripture, we're looking at Matthew 16, 13, 16, 17. Now when Jesus came into this district... Of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, Who do you say that the Son of Man is? And this is the question that we are answering today. Who do you say the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You see, that is what he was, that is what he is. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But we know that's going to happen right after this, and, and, and we don't have the scriptures to show it, but I just want to tell you what's going to happen. Pete, Jesus is getting ready to get what? Crucified. Here it is. Peter just answered the question, Who do you say I am? You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And here it is. Peter says, I mean, Jesus says to them, I am going to be crucified. The scripture even goes on to say, Peter says, what do you mean, Jesus? You know, what do you mean you're going to be crucified? You are the Son of the living God. You can't be crucified because you know what? You are the Christ. You are the one that came to save the world. Jesus, Peter even, and like I said, he rebukes Jesus in a sense. And the, and the scripture says that. It says Peter rebuked him and said, how could you say that? Because you are the living God. You are the Savior. But we know what happened. We know that Jesus had to be crucified. We know that Jesus had to be crucified for our sins. And here it is. Peter walked with Christ. He saw all the miracles. He saw everything that Jesus had done. He knew Jesus had the power to do anything. But yet he still had a small view of God. And he questioned Jesus. And said, what do you mean? You're going to be crucified. He goes on in John chapter 18. Verses 10, 18, it says that then Simon Peter, having a sword. This is right after the, the, they came and, and grabbed Jesus. Here it is. Judas came in, betrayed him with a kiss. They grabbed him to get him crucified. He said, then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest servant and cut off his right ear. We see here the response Peter has. He's ready to fight. He's ready to take a sword and kill these people because he's understanding, look, this is my Jesus. This is the one who... I walk with, I saw the power, I know he's the savior of the world, I gotta save him. But what does Jesus say? Jesus said to Peter, 
put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? Here that Jesus is saying, look, I have to go through this. I have no choice. I have to go through this pain for you and for the world. So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Here it is. Again, we know the story. Here it is. Jesus is getting ready to get crucified. Let's go to verse 15. But we also see this picture. Simon Peter. Here it is. Simon sees him. He sees, he, he follows them on where they're carrying Jesus. Simon Peter followed Jesus and, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was not known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter, here it is, the same Peter who just took a sword out, ready to cut the guy's ear off, ready to kill anybody in sight. Here's Peter. Peter stood outside the door, so the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watching the door and brought Peter in. Verse 17. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, You also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? Here it, is, Jesus, here it is, Peter has the opportunity to say, yes, I am with him. But what does Peter say? He said, I am not. Peter basically is saying to fulfill the scripture, I do not know him. I have no dealings with him. The same Peter that was ready to kill, the same Peter now that's basically saying, look, I, I don't know him. You know, for me and you, when we think of relationships and we spend time with people, we get to know them better. Here it is. Peter spent all this time with Christ, saw the power, saw the miracles, saw everything that he had went through. But here it is. Peter's denying him. Here it is. Peter, the same person that said, I am the son, that you are the son of the living God, is denying him. Again, verse 18. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal quiet fire because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves Peter also with them and standing and warming himself so here it is Peter's with them and we know the story goes on he's going to deny him how many more times two more times here it is the same Peter the same Peter that was ready to fight the same Peter that walked with him the same Peter that's now denying him You know, as I think of this, it comes to me and you. How do you view God? Do you view God the way Peter did? In a story where he said, you are the son of God, the living God? Or do you view God in the way Peter is doing now, where he's saying, you know what? I don't know you. I don't know him. You know, the thing, the thing that gets to me is the people who asked the question had to know that he was with them. Because they wouldn't ask the question. Here it is, Peter could take a stand and say, you know what? Yeah, I was with him. He is the Savior of the world. He's going to be crucified, but you know what? He's going to be raised from the dead and live again. But yet he doesn't. That's where Peter was. He knew Jesus, but was so much about Jesus, Peter thought he knew he really didn't. 
The Jesus who was now arrested wasn't the Jesus he thought he knew. He never expected Jesus to submit to the beatings. He never expected Jesus to allow himself to be so degraded. He never expected to watch Jesus die on the cross. You see, the cross was the lowliest death that anyone could live, could die. And this is what Jesus was going to go through. Jesus went through the beatings. Jesus went through the cross. He went through everything for you and for me. You know, and honestly, as I don't know how many of you have seen different movie pictures of Christ, death, crucifixion, the beatings he went through. Um, but you know what? There's no movie that could compare to what he went through. But the scriptures say he was, you, you couldn't even recognize him. This is what Jesus went through. This is what Peter saw. This is where Peter denied him. But you know what? What I'm glad of, and I'm sure Peter is, that our God is a forgiving God. Our God loves us. And because of Peter's different stages in life, because it's now coming to the end, as Jesus is now raised from the dead, we have a different response as we see in John 21. And he says this, When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to them, Yes, Lord. You know that I love you. He said to him, Feed my lambs. Here it is a different response. Because you know what? Here it is, Peter saw the power of Christ. The man that was dead, now he's alive. And his response is completely different. His view of God has changed. It's gone from the microscopic view to now, you know what? I have a big view of God. I recognize that now, you know what? He is the Son of God. He is the one that came to save the world. He has the power to do anything. It goes on in verse 16. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord. Do you know that I love you? He said to him, tend my sheep. In verse 17, he said to him the third time. Now, why is he asking this question three times? Because he denied him three times. So he's saying, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. You see, this is what I'm talking about. This is the type of God that we serve and we worship. Even when we mess up, even when we have a small view, he still wants to use us as he used Peter. But yet he wants us to realize something. He doesn't want us to stay with that small view. He wants us to have a, a big view. And we see the view that he wants us to have because as we see with Peter, Peter was in the denial state of even knowing him. But now Jesus, the Son of God, is saying, look, I want you to go and tell others about me. That's what he's talking about, tend my sheep. Go and tell others about me. Verse 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. This he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. 
The question for me and you tonight is this. Are you ready to follow him? Are you ready to change your view? Are you willing to say, you know what? I did have a small view of God. My view of God is still small. But you know what? I want to get a big view of him. I want to experience him. I want to experience the relationship with him. And the only way you're going to experience that true relationship with him is this. If you're studying his word. If you're spending time in prayer. You see, just like in any other relationship, the only way you get to know someone is what? Spending time. Talking to him. This is how we get to know God. Through studying his word. Talking to him. And growing in him. And here's, here's some application for us tonight. As we grow and mature, so must our view of God. You see, for you and me, if I ask my daughter Mercy the question of who is God, she's going to have probably a very, if not, she might not even answer the question correctly, a small view of God. Because she doesn't understand. It's just like you at this age, you think, well, God is this. Then when you get older, you have a different view of God. As you study God's word more, you get an even bigger view of God. And that's where this comes in. Do you relate to Jesus the same way today you did, and that should be five years ago? Because if I say ten, not some of you are only four. But even then, for some of you, even when you're four years old, your view may not change because you know what? You don't have a relationship with Him. You don't really have a view of God because... You don't know Him. When our perceptions start to change, our behavior starts to change as well. This is a very important point because when we realize that we represent God, our behavior is going to change. When we realize the whole thing that people look at us and say, you're the reason I don't come to church, that should change you. It should make you question the way you act. It should make you question the way you view God. And if I view God in a way that I re- know I represent Him, then my life should be different. And let me tell you, I struggle with this every day on the roads of Nassau, Bahamas. Because I'm going to tell you now, that is my biggest struggle in life is being on the road. Because I don't know what it is, but we don't have no, and I'm talking about Bahamians as a whole because I'm Bahamian, we have no regard for the laws whatsoever. Especially if you're on a motorbike. Red light, forget about it. Red light, even if you're in a car, forget about it. Just go. But you know what? Again, again, when I understand that I represent God, even when I go into a place where it frustrates me like the bank, everything has to change. I have to recognize that I represent Him. And the last two points is this. In order to start acting differently, we have to start believing correctly. You see, the question tonight is this. Why do you believe what you know about God? Is it just because your parents have told you this? Or I have told you? Or Pastor Mitchell has told you? Or your Sunday school teacher? Or is it because you've studied God's Word for yourself? And I'm going to tell you the truth. Probably not until I came 17, 18 that I really understood what I believe. In the sense of, I could say, oh, this is why I believe it, because I can show you scripture. I can't just say to someone, oh, I believe this because my Sunday school teacher told me that. 
Or, I can believe that because my parents say that. No. My response should be, I believe this because Scripture says this. And here's the verse. And the last thing it says, adopting an accurate God view is a process we continue our entire lives. And we could use it as called sanctification. You see, we are every day, as we learn about God, our lives are changing. Our view is changing. We will never know all there is to know about God, but we should always be searching to know Him more intimately and to know Him more deeply. That's what it's about. It's about being intimately in a relationship with God. To know more about Him. In closing, the question for me and you tonight is this. First of all, we have to ask ourselves, do I have a relationship with God? To have a view of God? And if I do have a relationship with God, what is my God view? Is it microscopic, like how Peter's own was when he denied Christ? Or is it the way Peter responded when all said and done, when Jesus said, you, tend my sheep. And as we know, Peter goes in Acts chapter 2, Pentecost, preaches the message, boom, 3,000 people come to know Christ. Later on, it goes on to tell you, in another chapter, 5,000. So here it is, God used Peter even when he messed up. And for me and you, God can use us right where we are. But he doesn't want us to stay there. But he wants us to grow. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for all you've done. We thank you and we praise you again that you are a forgiving God. Father, tonight I pray that tonight there's someone in this room that doesn't even have a relationship with you. Father, I pray they would come to know you as Lord and Savior. Father, I pray that as we go in our small groups, pray that you'd be on in our conversations. And Father, I pray that you'd just be on in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen.